Hello, everyone. Welcome to another DMV Comic Book Nerds podcast. I'm Freddie. And I'm David. And today we are reviewing Secret Invasion Episode 4. How are you doing today, David? I am doing good. How about yourself? Doing pretty good. Uh, we took a, a week off, and uh, it's good to be back to uh, talk about Secret Invasion. I'm pretty hyped. What about you? Yeah, I'm really bummed out that like the the week I physically couldn't do this. Like it was also like the bit it was like the first big like uh not first big plot progression that sounds bad, but you know something major happened. It felt like so uh, I was like, oh wow, that's the kind of thing you want to react to on the internet. <laughs> well, we'll definitely get your reactions uh, here, and um, yeah, we got a lot to talk about. But first, I kind of want to mention a few news items. Mm-hmm. So right now it's San Diego Comic Con. Uh, I'm not there, but, uh, I hope everyone who made it out there is having a good time. Um, yeah. You ever been to a Comic-Con before? I actually, I went to San Diego Comic-Con on accident one time and that, <laughs> like, I didn't go, but like, I went to San Diego for another purpose when I was a teenager. Uh-huh. I didn't know it was during the week of, you know, the Comic-Con and yeah. uh, i was outside at the gas lamp district and i just saw like all these people like you know in the get up and people going to the different events around the area um and i actually spotted like at my hotel the cast of uh, game of thrones because this is back when game of thrones was like only season two so oh, they cool. were at comic-con doing like their events did you see amelia clark uh no the only person i remember amelia clark would be super convenient for the sake of what we're talking about but no <laughs> i i saw nikolai kalster waldo and uh peter dinklage those are the ones i like i know i saw them cool all right um well um i will say that i've been to a few comic cons before mostly over here on the east coast um and i'm hoping to maybe organize some uh uh comic-con excursions for dmv comic book nerds locally so if anyone is curious about that you know reach out to us uh, um, connect with us on social media and we can plan for the future unfortunately i know i can't make it to baltimore comic-con this year which is i'm kind of disappointed about but uh you know there's other cons going on all the time so well and you're lucky that you live on the east coast man because you actually have like you're in close proximity to so many like quality ones yeah i mean i think um I'm not going to name too many names, but I, some of the ones that I, I think are pretty cool are uh, Baltimore Comic Con. I've mm-hmm. been to that one a bunch of times. Uh, New York Comic Con. Like you, I wasn't like uh, going to New York Comic Con, but I happened to be in New York at a time when it was happening. It was okay, like, yeah. Tons of cosplay throughout the streets and stuff. <laughs> yep, yep. And uh, yeah, Blurred Con just happened recently in DC. Yeah con all kinds of cons around here yeah and, and when you go are you like are you there like are you a panel person or are you there trying to like scavenge up like you bring the checklist out and you're like i'm looking to buy <laughs> that's funny uh well I'll def- i'm definitely not a panelist i'm just a nobody i'm just you know showing up uh see what's going on um i wish i was a cosplay person but i've never really had that talent or skill um so yeah, usually I do just buy a whole bunch of comics and posters that I really okay, can't yeah. afford. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do have a list of things like I'd love to pick up at a convention sometime soon, but uh, we'll see. No, I very much I um. So my one collecting goal is to have every um mainline like legacy numbered issue of Daredevil, and so I was like, if I could ever go to a convention, it would be to go try and fill out what I have of that. Of, uh, of the Zdarsky run or just like all of Daredevil? No, I'm talking, you know, number, I'm talking, you know, legacy number one up to the Zdarsky run. And I guess now soon the, the Saladin Ahmed run, but trying wow. to go at all. I've almost finished the Andesenti run, which is like the 200s. Oh, wow. Okay. But that, that would be, you know, anything like before that is kind of hard to find. Uh-huh. You know, you can find Frank Miller stuff pretty beat up, but that's mm-hmm. what I want to go to a convention would be to try and fill up, uh, you know, my. My dream, my dream collection. Nice, nice. All right. Well, um, I also want to mention that um, over the break, we saw Marvel release a poster and a trailer for the Marvels. We sure did. Yeah. What do you think? I I have always been more on the excited side for the Marvels, um, just because I think it's going to be, I just think it's going to be fun. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a movie that's just fun. 
yeah um, the, the more i see of it the more i'm like okay yeah you know suspicion confirmed it's gonna be fun um, i think the thing that stood out to me like um this is the first time i noticed the villain i'm like who is this villain is this a Cree accuser do you know it it does see yeah it does seem like another accuser and it does seem like you know they don't care like oh well ronin from guardians of the galaxy like yeah, we've kind of already did. done <laughs> but who cared about him like no most people can't even name him yeah he's definitely like lower tier but um not that he was bad but just like you know um they could they could do a new spin on it exactly like i, I don't think they'll have a problem doing it whatsoever i think also like there's so much lore that was left untouched with with ronin that you can kind of more lean into the Kree lore now with doing it again so i i'm fine with it um i just hope it's done a little bit better I hope it resonates with the audience more. I just wonder how much it'll tie into Secret Invasion, if at all. Like, are they going to mention the scrolls? Like, or is that going to be over with? Or, like, what do you think? Uh, you would, I mean, one would think that you can't have, you know, Kree without mention of the scroll. But so, in so far, <laughs> that has been the case pretty much. They've kind of been on their own little separate planes of existence. Yeah. Like, uh, I, Marvel's usually pretty good at tying stuff together. Although sometimes they aren't, but, you know, but yeah, sometimes, I don't know, I just, we'll see. We'll yeah, I'm just kind of, um, you know, I, I think their fear would be that, of course, you know, the success of this franchise is the accessibility that anyone, you know, people who are super vested in the lore and the, and the, yeah. and the books will enjoy it. But then people who have never even touched it can come and enjoy it and have a good yeah. time. And I've always had this theory that they're kind of afraid to go into the Kree Skull stuff because that could feel more like sci-fi and complicated and could scare away someone. Um, I, I, that's always been my person. I have nothing to back that suspicion up. I have no way to prove that. But that's always been what I've thought has been there, why they've kind of steered away from it a little bit. Maybe. I mean, they definitely do uh, try to make things accessible and like... Um... It's just the like with the timing of this movie coming out so soon after Secret Invasion seems like uh, ideally it would be cool if they were connected, but because of how things film, like if they have completely different writers and directors and such, it might be a totally different thing. Um, yeah, did you know. did you see um, what's her name? Um, not Scarlett Johansson. Elizabeth Olsen recently did an interview where she said that when they were filming Multiverse of Madness, uh, WandaVision had not been like finished, or when they were writing it, it hadn't been finished. So while she was there filming it, she was like, "Have you guys seen this show?" And they were like, "No." Right. So that's a perfect example. Like, ultimately, I liked the the way that they tied. Multiverse of Madness to WandaVision. Um, I mean, it was definitely a little bit of a left turn for a lot of people, but like, I liked it. What did you think? Uh, I I had a good time with it. it. It was one of those that, you know, some people were like, for dumb, that was there. Like, this is it. Like, we're all down, we're going downhill from this moment. <laughs> and I very much had fun with it. You know, I, I enjoyed the ramminess of it. So I didn't have that same problem. Uh, like, I feel like at the very least, it'll be fun. Like you said, I don't, like, I don't, like, Marvel for me doesn't have a lot of bad, like terrible movies. I, like, if they might not all be number one bangers, but you know, most of them are at least entertaining. Yeah, I, I mean, I would, you know, I have some that are like, you know, there are some that I'm not going to rewatch, you know, mm -hmm. frequently. So I am a Thor to Dark World. I can't really touch that. I don't really enjoy that movie that much. Um, but it's not like bad, you know, they don't, they never make anything that's like, you know, one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Well, um, one more thing I'd like to mention about the marketing of this Marvel's movie is that mm -hmm. uh, there have been a ton of scroll sightings. It's kind of interesting. Like, um, like a lot of, well, first of all, of course, at like Disney World and stuff, you'll have random people looking like scrolls walking around. And then you'll have, um, I saw some scrolls on local news channels. I, I think they're ABC affiliates. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, yeah, I, yeah, I did see that. Yeah, like just like just random things. It's kind of funny. Um, like they really are uh, pulling out the stops to promote the show. Which, you know, I, I, I'm not really into like viewership numbers or whatever, but I have heard people tell me that they are not great. Yeah, it's, it's definitely on the lower end of uh, Marvel stuff. But, um, you know, that's kind of to be expected. Like um, 
everything is kind of on a decline that has like long-term that requires long-term viewership. Right. Um, although like there have been a few hits this year um, of TV shows and movies, but um, they can't all be hits, you know, like um, even if the, I think it's kind of apart from quality. It's just like, um, is the buzz about it good? I feel like when the buzz about the AI opening hit about the show, that was a big blow to people's interest. Yeah. And, um, like, I even questioned, like, am I even going to support this show? I was like, well, I got to support Sam Jackson. <laughs> right, right. Um, but other than that, I haven't heard too much scandal about the show. I think it's doing fine, but it's like, it's not blowing people out of the water. And I have heard a lot of criticism about it, too. Um, like, not everyone's enjoying it as much as we Sure, sure. And I, I mean, I... um. Uh... You know, as it goes on, and, and I think I said this when we first started, you know, for me, the Disney Plus stuff has had a lot of, like, for me, pacing problems. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think then, you know, when we talk technicals later, for me, as it's gone on, I, I do think I'm getting a little bit of the Moon Knight, uh, Moon Knighted. Oh, no. Uh, oh no. Well, let, let, let's, let's get into it. Let's talk about it. I all right. Yeah, I'm ready. Because we got two episodes to catch up on. Let's start with episode four. All right, everybody. This is your spoiler warning from here on out. If um, this is a spoiler zone, so go watch the episode and then come back. All right. The title of this episode is "Beloved," and it was written by Brian Tucker, directed by Ali Salim. And I'll give a quick summary of it. Fury meets with Priscilla for some private one-on-one time, and then he meets with Rhodey to talk about their work relationship, who we find out is a scroll. Meanwhile, Gravik launches an attack on the U.S. president, and Talos makes the ultimate sacrifice. All right, so what did you think of this episode? For me, I was just, you know, as you know, for comedic effect, I wanted Rhodey to be a scroll um, because I, I, I love the actor change thing, potentially being mm-hmm. like, oh, I've been a scroll ever since then. So I'm really glad, you know, it, it's confirmed. I did think they were hinting at it. I did think, you know, he, he did call Fury Nick at one point. He, he was acting sus. We heard him on the phone um, yeah. when he called Fury's wife. So it's like, okay, like I, I definitely think that's what they're pointing at. So mm-hmm. I am glad that we, we did get it. Um, I also really like the way they, they did do it of mm-hmm. him taking the shower. He like wipes the mirror, changed the scroll, changed yeah. back. I thought it was a cool visual effect. Overall, the visual effects of the scroll transformations have been really top notch. So right. I like want to commend them for that. They look pretty practical. Like, um, like it looks like they're wearing, you know, maybe like latex and makeup and stuff. And like, and and that's if that is practical, then you're like in the shower getting wet. Like, it it still looks real. Um, but then it's like maybe it is some CGI involved. I don't know. But like, it, it's uh, I'm sure there is when they, especially when they transform. But like, in this instance, like he wipes, um, the mirror and we see his transformation. So that's probably a little easier to do practically. I don't know. I just I've liked it because there's been a lot of criticism around like you know VFX recently I I know especially with the Flash movie which I haven't seen but I know there's been criticism of like low quality VFX and I I will always prefer practical stuff so I am glad that they've kind of leaned more into it feels like they've leaned more into it it definitely feels more makeup e and just using the uh, VFX for the actual transition what do you think of the overall uh, VFX and uh, CGI in this show well, I actually think, you know, in general, I think Marvel has a lot of budget problems where I think they overspend on stuff and it makes it harder for them to, like, make nice profit. And I think in this case, this feels like a lower budget thing, but it doesn't look like a lower budget thing. Everything well, looks let's clear. It's not lower budget. Like they Oh, it's not? Over, they spent over 200, 212 million on the show. Are you kidding me? And I'm wondering if this is, like, just because they have to pay Sam Jackson <laughs> and other stars. Or, or if CGI, or just or maybe just Marvel stuff is just expensive. I don't know. Or maybe they're overspending, like I said. Um, but I just wanted to point that out because there's been wow. some conversation about that. <laughs> okay, yeah, ne- never mind. Okay, I was about to commend them and be like, okay, this is the model for the future of trying to be more, you know, trying to be nope. more fiscal and still get a quality <laughs> project. Two hundred million on. Se- okay, wow. <laughs> well, it does. It doesn't take away that I did think it looked good, but now it's no longer commendable because they spent two hundred million to do it. Yeah, I mean, this is prestige TV, baby. Like, you don't get uh, Sam Jackson in a lot of TV shows. Um, two hundred million for so two hundred million six episodes. That's, I mean, you know, you're running up against some seasons of Game of Thrones. 
mm-hmm. are that much. Actually, I think the first season was cheaper. Um, okay. That's an interesting, uh, you know, this isn't a finance podcast or anything, but that's an interesting <laughs> fiscal uh, decision. But um, I got, but, but, but back to the idea of the CGI, I do want to say, like, I yep. think it's doing pretty good. Like, I think it looks good. Yes. Um, I think um, the de aging technology is, I don't even notice it. It looks so good. And I hate to say that because I don't like de aging technology. I think we don't need it. <laughs> uh, I, I'm with you. I, I don't really like it that much either because I also, don't really like the the implication that in the future we can do like what we saw in the Mandalorian and like have another actor put on a different like someone's likeness, right? And that, more and more like from Star Wars to uh, um, Mission Impossible to Indiana Jones to Secret Invasion, like like we just don't need them to keep going down that route because it's another way that d- diminishes the value of real actors and like c- casting younger people or or even just like. Suspending your disbelief, I guess. I don't know. Like, yeah, yeah, it's not. I mean, it does. It does look good because I've seen stuff where it looks bad, and so mm-hmm. I will at least give them the credit of again. It looks, you know, it looks believable. It looks like actually. Notice they're not just de aging Samuel Jackson, but they also de aged the actress who plays his wife. Yes, I, I I did notice it, but again, it's not like it's uncanny for me because it will always be like I know you know I know that they were actually filming this several years ago, so I know something's up here, but. It does. It doesn't look bad. I think. Right. Right. Yeah. I think it's. I think it looks in, like it looks real to me. Like, like I would have. I got like I wouldn't have noticed it if not for the fact that, um, it was a scene set in the past and like. Like and they couldn't have gone back in time to film it. <laughs> right. Exactly. So then I will say like okay I'm not happy with how much they've spent but at least I can say I'm happy with that they got a quality product out of it. Likewise. Yeah, because, you know, with Ant-Man, I mean, I'm sure that cost more than $200 million, And it, <laughs> it did not look like it cost more than $200 million. The first one or Quantumania? Sorry, Quantumania is what I'm referring to specifically. That And it relied on VFX a lot as well. Well, um, did you see it in standard or 3D? A standard, I, I can't. 3D gives me really bad motion sickness a lot of times. Yeah, I know it's not for everybody. I saw it in 3D. Um... I'm not a big 3D fan myself, but it was th- like watching it in 3D. Some of the that movie was made for 3D. Um, if that's what what the goal was, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I could see it because I do think 3D lowers fidelity, um, like from a cinematic standpoint. So I can see it very much being a case of you know it could help also by layering it. It, it could kind of add like some of that texture that you kind of lose when you have a green screen. So I, I could see that making sense. Um, but, uh, let's get back to Secret Invasion, though, because we're barely even started. So, yeah, yeah, so. Um, I do want to say, as much as I love, okay, I really did love the reveal of Brody as a scroll. Yes. Um, uh, so he's a scroll woman whose name is uh, Rava, and um, like total twist. I mean, some people saw it coming, um, but the reveal is still cool. It was a little oddly timed, like. It was kind of like 20 minutes into the episode, um, although you kind of know at the beginning because, you know, you see Rhodey and he's talking about working with Gravik. Um, so I just feel like, what did you think about the pacing of the reveal? Like you said, sometimes it's a little off. It, and it has been, um, you know, I have it down for when we talk about ratings. For me, my biggest thing with the, with this episode, and, and likewise the next one, is the pacing stuff where it just felt for maximum impact some things could have been done to land heavier because like, for should me, they have done this should they have done that roadie reveal at the end of the last episode where it was clearly that like, you see it not just hearing his voice on the phone should they have done it that way for me yeah because for me yes and the reason there being that to me the phone was too heavy-handed because the voice there wasn't like a possible it could be one person or the other um if i couldn't hear the voice and i didn't know who it was fine I'm okay with the hint of like, oh, he's calling Fury Nick. That's suspicious because, you know, I don't think everyone would catch that. And it's a cool little thing. But for me, I think the physical reveal should have been done before you kind of gave such a heavy, uh, heavy uh, handed prod in a certain direction for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I still liked it, but it was just kind of like it was not um, it was not. I mean, I feel like on another show it would have been. The end of the episode reveal. Yes. Not only end of an episode, but also less. I think there's a way that you could have done it in an order of events that there would have been some shock value to it as well. 
or maybe more like um a cold opening i don't know sure sure yeah exactly i mean yeah i think something we both agreed on was a cold open of the first episode was was pretty top notch so yeah yeah so, so um i also want to say that as much as i love the the image of him of, of rava transforming into Rhodey, uh i kind of feel bad for uh don Cheadle because i kind of feel like this might become a meme anytime someone does blackface in the future. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about that. I got, maybe, maybe I'm just cynical and like, um, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But <laughs> I really hope, I really hope not. I really hope, I really hope that from now on we can just keep on using the Tropic Thunder thing, which is a good taste, and just stick oh with that. god, I don't know, like um, it's all can worms to me. But <laughs> but let's um talk a little bit about um then what else happens in this episode um so we find out really quickly that gaia is alive uh because she transformed herself into a super scroll mm-hmm. and what do you think of that um it, you know i i think we talked about last time we met i i had no for me there was no pressure of knowing she was dead because i saw her in the trailer so mm-hmm. again likewise that to me, that this felt more sloppy than the than the than the roadie reveal. Because to me, it was like, oh, if you wanted this to have an impact, you, why'd you show me in the trailer that she's clearly still has some scenes? Yeah, like um, on top of that, it was also so quick. Like like she just died last episode, and now she's back the beginning of the next episode. Like 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 there's like we've talked before about how it's kind of. Um, fast paced because like it's only six episodes and they're trying to give you everything and right things don't really have a lot of time to stick so i guess that's why it moves so fast but it, it uh it's like we don't even have time to grieve her really you know? it, 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 it it stinks a little bit of uh uh miss marvel right now where uh she's already she's already back we've we've already seen preview pages of her being raised on kokoa Mm-hmm. Um, right after what, like her little death comic came out like one week ago. Um, so now, I, do, it, I uh-huh. do think it's a larger problem where we we're in this time where everything is so hyped and spoiled to like like you can't really avoid it, you know. Like um, like um, I don't know if the show is to blame for you know like showing trailers and stuff, but or maybe they are. Like maybe they're part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I, I the reason I don't like to give them full. I mean, I like to say like you're still just like someone's watching what you're putting out. Like you know what's gonna happen. But at the same end, I have friends who don't watch trailers for anything, and mm-hmm. f- from a certain standpoint, that makes me feel like okay. Well, if you don't want to go in with spoilers, you kind of have to know. Don't watch a trailer. Right. Yeah. Like that's why uh, I I almost didn't want to watch the Marvels trailer. But then I sure. felt. To- uh, obligation to do it as a podcast host. I was like, well, <laughs> well we got to talk about it. Exactly, exactly. And so for me, it was it was also like you know, for across the Spider Verse, which was something I was determined to love, no matter what. I went and I did not watch the trailers. Mm-hmm. I, I I just I knew the movie was coming out. I knew the release date. I wanted to save all the joy, the wonderment, and all the hype into seeing the movie itself. Yeah, that's how I did with uh, Spider Man No Way Home, and I was pleased. Same. Like, I, I mean, I tried to. I mean, they definitely leaked a lot of stuff for that movie, too. But, like, I was definitely putting on as much blinders as I could. And, like, I think there's something to be said about the joy of not being spoiled. Um, yes. But I don't know if that's an old school way of thinking or if that's just um, the truth. <laughs> like, well, now I think because of the, the information age, not to be all philosophical, but uh, philosophical, but... Uh, I think now you have to, when there's so much things you could be spending your time watching, you need to be trickling these little hype crumbs so that you get, you know, you whet your appetite, you're excited to see something and you're going to choose to watch something or choose to subscribe to this platform over another one. Cause mm-hmm. there's so much competition and what to do with your time today. Right. Like I, I do feel like in terms of uh, marketing and uh, consumerism, I can, perhaps there are some joys in, uh, you know, getting teased like over a period of time. Like honestly, I feel like fandom these days is more into the hype and anticipation of things than actually getting things. Totally. Like, like sometimes people are pleased with what they get, but most of the time they're over it as soon as they get it. Like, totally, but they're totally. like, but they're so like hype until it comes. 
Yes, I, and th there's so many things I think we can speak about to that. I'm I'm a huge video game person, and it's very common because video games take a very long time to create. So right. you know they're coming out for five years, and you know you're building up hype for five years, and then as soon as it comes out, you're like, oh, I had five years to dream about this. It's not what I thought was going to happen in my imagination. I don't like mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you definitely get that a lot with Marvel and and superhero stuff and like comics and, but um. Yeah, let's get back into the show here. Um, so, yeah, like, on the one hand, I'm glad Guy is not dead. On the other hand, it was a little um, unsatisfactory as a plot beat. I, I will say, I took satisfaction, though. Like, I am interested in the idea of having a, you know, a protagonist super scroll. Yeah, like an opposite to, to, uh, to Gravik, especially now that Talos is killed at the end of this episode. Right, right. Um, should we talk about that? Yeah, I mean, I think that I think Rhodey being a scroll, and I think that I think that um, I think Talos dying. That is episode four for me, um, pretty pretty much. It was it was a very short episode because I actually remember watching it and I remember thinking, oh wow, that was quick. Mm -hmm. um, but it got it got its main plot threads across. Um, you know, Talos dying. I I don't think I went on mic, so I can't be like, haha, I did it. I knew he was gonna die. But I didn't think he was gonna. I didn't think he was gonna be leaving this TV show. Um, I'm. I am surprised he died now, though. Well, um, you know, like I said, everything has to happen fast on this show. Yeah, uh, and no, but I think. See, for me, this like unlike the roadie thing, where it was like, oh, I kind of felt this was gonna happen. No shock value for me. This did have shock value because I didn't expect it now. I mean, that was a very impressive uh, action scene to me where, like, you got Gravik's forces attacking the United States president, like, in a convoy, um, like, and then Fury and Talos show up and get involved, and then they try to protect the president, and, like, and then Talos is shot, and, like, he's revealed to be a scroll, and he's, like, about to die, and then, uh, and then Gravik shows up posing as a soldier, uh, and then Fury tries to like catch him but like fury can't do anything his bullets are not really making a difference right <laughs> and, then, and then that's the end of Talos. like that was a pretty good scene i think and i was really for me just from a, a directorial standpoint i'm really glad that you know i i don't know how many people who don't aren't familiar with scrolls are watching this show and i really do like that we can just lean into like we know what scrolls are we know they shapeshift we know they can you know we know it's crazy and i really like that that action scene leaned into this is how we can add the scroll effect into an action scene mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um the, the uncertainty of of course in the middle of battle they could just change i really yeah. i did really like that um and i do want to back up a little bit um and talk a little bit about what led up to this, like, um, so Rhodes uh, is doing a lot to threaten Priscilla or Vara, um, and he wants her to kill Fury, and if she doesn't kill Fury, then they'll kill her. Uh, they meet up at a church, and they have a whole meeting. Um, I have to say that was kind of funny to me, because, like, as a black person, I don't think that uh, most black people attend Catholic churches. I mean, no. they like. I mean, there are some black Catholic people. I went to a Catholic high school, but uh, you know, I'm I'm not Catholic. <laughs> well, and as a person who grew up in that system, uh, I would say I did not frequently see people with a darker skin tone than mine. Right, so, like, um, so. so, like, there's a lot of black people. Like, not just. Uh, Vara and uh, Rhodey, even though they're both scrolls, but uh, there's some more black people in the in the pews at the church um although not in the choir but uh you know anyway i just just something i noticed that seemed that felt a little bit inauthentic um well also i want to say that we get a lot of scenes with fury and vara where we learn about their past um they had a date in paris where she mentions a book of poems by raymond carver who she was her favorite poet um she reads late fragment with fury um and it's, he asks did she get what she wanted and she says she did and what she wanted was to feel beloved on earth so there's the title of this episode um i gotta say this show is following the tradition of other shows like uh smallville who had like, like one word titles <laughs> um yeah what'd you think of uh their date scene i 
really wish it was just shown in a different order. Um, and I, I am not, well, at the very least, I am not a writer who works in, you know, entertainment. I, you know, I do write for my job, but different kind of writing. But I, I just really felt like the impact they wanted me to get from this and the emotion they wanted me to get through this could have been better felt if it was spread across multiple episodes. Um, mm. And if the idea, if this relationship had more time to marinate as if like if it was introduced from the beginning. Only because for me, having the whole go around of them reading that poem at the beginning of the episode in a flashback and then them reciting it to themselves later on in the episode, it doesn't carry weight with me as much. Well, I understand your perspective. I, I feel like we got to get a little bit, um, you know, all ages friendly here. because, <laughs> Like, I don't know what the target audience for the show is, but like. Uh, if you do it in one episode, then everybody gets the reference. You know, the, you got the setup sure. and got the um, payoff. Whereas if they had done a different episode, people might not necessarily get the payoff. But would it have been more satisfying for longtime fans if we actually did meet Priscilla way during the Avengers movie? And then they actually had the scene in 2012? Sure. <laughs> you know? I, I mean, even for me, though, it's like when you're editing this show, right? Because you film, you know, you film the whole season and then you compile your scenes to make episode one, episode two, episode three, episode four. So, you know, you go through that. I'm just saying, I know they wanted the cool reveal of an end of an episode to be Nick Fury's married to a scroll. And I still think it's possible to do that. But I also think there's a way that from the very beginning, if you want to use flashbacks, you can show bits of their relationship, introduce her. Then, you know, episode two, show she's a scroll. That's still a shock. And then have that, um, since you started from the beginning, it's had more time just in this show to have their relationship marinate. Because for me, it's just difficult to feel a relationship that's supposed to be decades strong when for me it's only been, you know, a single episode. Um, I get it. Um, I do have to say, like, I, I like their relationship. And one thing I'm constantly surprised by is just the fact that um, – even though they've known each other for decades, it doesn't seem like they've spent that much time together. Like they've had to like steal time to be together because they're spies or whatever. But um, like first we get the reveal that um, after the blip, then Fury's been in space the whole time. So he has sure. not been with Vara that whole time. Right. And then prior to that, you know, they were doing their spy stuff. And so she was trying to build this home, which we learn more about later in episode five, but um, she knew all along it was going to be hard to like tie down this man. I'm surprised they even got married. <laughs> sure. And um, that kind of takes us to the next scene where like, uh, there's another scene where, where um, Fury and Priscilla are talking. Um, she finds him in her house. Um, and she has such an amazing house. Like the design of that house it, is beautiful. It's uh, stunning, yeah. And then you've got uh, one thing that really stands out is there are these masks on the wall. It looks kind of like, maybe ancient Greek white masks, which is um, very evocative of the theme of, you know, wearing a mask or like pretending to be someone else or being, you know, not yourself, especially with Priscilla. She's always in a different skin. Like they, they bring that up a lot. Um, but I uh, thought that was cool. And then another thing I noticed is that she organizes all of her books by color, like all on her shelves. I don't know if that means anything. It's just kind of funny to me. I did not see that, but I, it, it, I do I do like it. I mean, it yeah. is an aesthetically pleasing abode to look at. Yeah. Um, so Fury's making tea, and then she asks why he isn't wearing his ring, and he says that he's needed at work and he's about to go, but then they sit down and have a talk, and then he says that she is the greatest mistake he ever made, and he knows that she's planning to kill him, but he says even so, he would do it all over again. And then they put their guns on the table and then they have this tense talk about like, you know, is she going to kill him? Does she love him? Uh, vice versa. And he asks her to tell him again how she chose her human form. So she kind of gives us her origin. She says, Dr. Priscilla David has secret congenital heart defect and she used to visit her in the hospital and they became close. And one day she asked for the real Priscilla's permission um, to carry on her life and she made her three promises number one a burial at sea number two to honor her parents and number three to never hurt fury so then that's when they recite the poem again 
And then they both shoot at each other, but then they both miss on purpose. And Fury says he's not sure if they should get divorced or renew their vows. Um, but then the, they know that the scrolls are going to be coming after her. And Priscilla says she can take care of herself. And she, before Fury leaves, she asks if he would have loved her as her true self. And he doesn't answer right away. He starts to walk out. But then he turns back and says, guess we'll never know. So what do you think of that scene? Um, I, I, I really liked it because the performance is very strong. And like we've said for almost every episode, you know, Samuel L. Jackson is a good actor. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, if you've seen a Tarantino movie, you know that he can easily just do a dialogue scene that steadily increases like tension. Mm -hmm. um, it is cool to see because I've always thought like, oh, that's a Tarantino thing not a Samuel L. Jackson thing, but you can remove him from San, uh, from Tarantino and he can still do it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, he's and just I'm, a great actor. And, I'm not uh, familiar with uh, the person playing his wife, but she's doing, she's able to match him. It doesn't feel yeah. like he's carrying it. I agree, yeah. I, I love that they did some uh, very good casting there. Um, yeah, I, I agree. This this scene had a great build and the tension, like um, like that. That's why I was, you know, forgiving of the quickness of the of the callback to the poem because, like, um, like you need the setup and you need the payoff. And I, I think this show is doing a lot to try and keep these six episodes kind of self contained. Like, like yeah, if you're watching any of the episodes, you're probably gonna watch all the episodes, but. Um, narratively they were just trying to uh keep it uh, all in this episode where we learned the most about their relationship i do agree and i do think someone could come in and realistically watch you know let's say i was watching it and my you know my girlfriend came in while i was mid watching it if she was there at the beginning of the episode she could still get something out of it from watching it from the beginning even if it was episode three or four mm -mm. i think so i do think it does do a good job of being self-contained being secular some might even say of mimicking an issue of a comic book Definitely. Or like an uh, old TV show. Like So often it'll remind me of like, and I didn't watch a lot of like old spy shows, but I think I've seen in or even like buddy cop shows or you know, I don't know, like um, it definitely has a classic quality to it in like the spy thriller type of genre. I, I completely, yeah. I mean, I every time I rewatch The Sopranos, I'm always surprised at how much of that show, sure, you're meant to watch it as a series, but every episode has its own self-contained bit. Mm -hmm. And I'm always surprised because it does feel like we have moved away from that in television. Mm -hmm. um, I think let's, it does it well here, though. I agree. Uh, let's go back to Colonel Rhodes. Um, so he's in his hotel. He's showering as, uh, as his scroll self. Um, but then he gets dressed and then he finds Fury sitting in, in the hotel suite. And Fury offers him $5,000 worth of a Happy Van Winkle uh, liquor to squash their beef. And <laughs> um, they have kind of a tense scene where uh, Rhodey acts like he doesn't believe Fury about the scrolls. And then... Um, Fury even asks for his job back, but Rhodey is like, hell no, like, I got this video of you uh, look, about to kill Maria. Like, I have you on video killing Maria, but Fury's like, we both know that's graphic, but it doesn't matter because uh, anyone else who sees it is going to see Fury. So uh, he tells Fury to leave, but Fury has the upper hand because he has put a liquid location tracker in the alcohol. So uh, any thoughts about this? Uh, you know, at this point, I, I remember, and I, I remember taking a mental note that is this TV show going to be the most lines of dialogue that um, Rhodey's ever had in like anything so far? I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like Don Cheadle is doing a great job. Like I love that they made his character scroll because that gives it more dramatic weight. And it's like, um, the main player in this series and i feel like he doesn't get enough credit because like everybody's talking about oh what avengers are we going to get in this show if any and like i feel like that uh, underplays the fact that roadie is an avenger and like he's been around since iron man 2 and like um or even one if you consider you know the recasting but <laughs> um 
But I mean, I get the fact that the show underplays itself because it's not like we see him in the Iron Man armor at all. Um, but you know, I I don't need it because he's a good actor. Like I, I I'm kind of entertained by scenes regardless. Well, that's my point. It's just see, I was like, I can't believe we've had this guy, you know, signed on a contract for a decade. And it's the first time I ever get to see, like, reminded, like, oh, he can actually do something with this character. Yeah, like, uh, and, and it's more than just a cameo. It's not like, he had a cameo in Falcon Winter Soldier, but here right. he actually role. And, like, um, and even though it's a scroll, we don't know how far back it goes. We don't know if we'll get the real Rhodey. I guess we do expect to get him back in the future, but I don't know. Um, it's This is entertaining. I, I mean, we all know the real Rhodey's Terrence Howard, so... <laughs> That's, that's what that's what, that's what we're gonna get. He's coming back. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll see. Um, so, so Fury um, and Talos, you know, they try to track Rhodey as he gets into a car and goes up to meet with the president. And you get to see a little crowd protesting. They're saying peace, not war. And then um, President Ritson even notices the the alcohol on his breath. <laughs> That was kind of funny. Like, uh, did the scroll not realize like they were going a little too hard there on the well, I, I, See, I thought it was just to call out like, oh, that liquid, the, the location tracker. Yeah, yeah, but like, you would think the scroll would not have drank that much. Do they know. even metabolize alcohol? <laughs> Possibly. I mean, they they their bodies seem to work like humans, except for um, when they get super scrolled, and this one isn't a super scroll. True, true. That is true. Um, so then, and it's funny because Rhodey is trying to give the president like this uh, advice about how to deal with the Russians. And, and he's like, you sir are drunk. Leave me alone. <laughs> and so they get into their cars. And then um, that's when Gravik launches the assault with miss- missiles at the president. And uh, that's when we get that crazy fight scene. And um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's about it. Any other thoughts? about this episode no 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 i i I think we covered it i think it was i think this is the biggest one uh shift i have though where my initial reaction is so very different now that i know what the next episode is okay now that i've seen it well real quick let's uh Mm -hmm. rank this episode okay is it a 10 uh i always feel like such a chump because i always say no it's not but (laughs) um you know maybe there's very few things I would ever give a ten to. Yeah, like the, uh, so. this whole point of this segment is like, where is that elusive right. ten? Like, we're gonna find. Do you think we'll have a ten on this show? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> I, I don't. But that's again, that's everyone's grading scale is different. One, and yeah. I, I, I never want to be someone who's like, oh, you're having fun. You know, sucks <laughs> to be you. Um, like what what I will say is, do you want me to give you the number I gave it when I saw this episode? Before seeing episode five, or where it is now, because I've seen the next episode. You, you can give us both. For me, when I first saw this, this was a very strong seven, bordering on an eight. Um, okay. Because even with even with the pacing stuff, it was that my biggest complaint with the episode was, I'm starting to get afraid because there's only two episodes left. What are you know? Where are we going with these last two episodes? You know, and I remember this very the feeling of dread i had with moon knight where it really felt to me like when we started to get to the end of that show i was like i don't think you can cleanly stick the ending on this and i was starting to get that feeling here at episode four but i would never i'm not gonna ding something for something that hasn't happened yet um and because again the the way that there's you got two of these very good scenes with um fury and his wife and then between roadie and fury of tension dialogue that it's like i don't need anything i don't need super suits like i'm enjoying this as it is right now um so i did enjoy it on on its own now having seen episode five it's now more like oh i don't the landing pad is not in sight it's foggy and we're up in the cockpit at ten thousand feet (laughs) um and to me that that would definitely keep it more as a as a seven to a a strong six instead huh well, that's interesting. It makes me definitely want to talk to you about the next episode. Um, get your thoughts on that. But this one first. Um, for me, I agree it was pretty strong. I think I think I'll give it an eight. You know, like, 
I'm happy with the eight. Yeah, and again, I just want to say, like, me and you are both saying it was good and it's strong. It's just a case of different people have a different rubric. Right, right, right. right. So I don't want anyone to listen to this and think, like, you know, we have a very differing opinion because it doesn't sound like we really do. Um, and, like, and anyone else is welcome to have their own opinion about it. We're just, uh, you know, giving ours and, like, uh, it's take it as you will. Like, <laughs> it's, it's just a number. It's not a big deal. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Because if this is someone's favorite thing that they've seen in years from Marvel, I don't want them to feel that that's invalidated. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I see the merits in it. Um, yeah. And likewise, if someone hates it, I don't want them to think like we're blind to criticism because I, I do see, you know, I can see where they're coming from as well. Now, I will say like for me, um, I I am hoping to come across a lot of tens eventually, or maybe not a lot, but at least find some of the elusive tens uh, in the duration of this podcast. I think we've had one or two so far. I mean, retroactively uh, across the Spider-Verse is a ten for me. Okay. <laughs> just if you if you want to say like we did it uh you know we yeah. found something that made david happy it's a 10 for me that's one that i can't give a 10 until uh until the, the next one comes out but um yeah. we'll see i mean i don't want to get too much into other media just mm-hmm. yet um or maybe we should like um so let's just kind of um share any other shout outs that we're interested in um it- if there's ever been a week for me to talk about other stuff, it is this week. <laughs> I've been doing so much. Um, I've read all of House of X, Powers of X. Nice. Incredible. Okay, good. Good. I'm, you liked it. I absolutely adored it. Uh, for people who said it's confusing, I really don't. I got it. At least for me, I didn't. Maybe I'm not fully grasping the magnitude of it, but I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, so how, how much X-Men have you read prior to this, curiously? I've read, um, I've read, like, 40 issues of Claremont's run to do the Dark Phoenix, whole, you know, whole thing. Mm-hmm. I've read maybe 12 issues, maybe 20 of Grant Morrison's new X-Men. So mm-hmm. I could get the, um, the Cassandra Nova stuff and the uh, Genosha stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I have read, um, I've read all of uh, Whedon's Astonishing X-Men. And that cool. was it. Okay, cool. Because like I've been, I'm a long time X reader. I haven't read everything, but I read most of the most important eras. And like I think um, for long time fans, it's 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 definitely House of X, Powers of X is like a big deal. But um, I've always wondered how accessible it is to like newer readers. Um, so clearly, like you've had some experience, but like yeah, um, but yeah. Uh, it's, it's cool that diving in, that you liked it, um, that it was accessible. Yeah, I mean, the only problem I would say is, like, certain characters, it's definitely, like, I know if I had more knowledge, this would resonate better with me. Like, I, I mean, I really already loved it, but some of the depth, I think, like, for me, the magnitude of Apocalypse being a good guy, that doesn't really mean anything to me. I've never read anything with Apocalypse in it. Interesting. Um... So, so I know he's a bad guy, because, I, mm-hmm. you know, I have a... You know, not that I don't want to be like I have a brain and sound condescending, but you know he's definitely a bad guy. <laughs> right, right, right. Like it is a new direction for Apocalypse, and so like it might have more weight if you've read other Apocalypse stories. Um, of course, like, I, I think. But also, like it's such a completely new take on him that you don't have to have read other Apocalypse stories. Right. Um, in fact, some things they even retcon. But um, you know, I just think. Um, that that's the beauty of comic books. Like, if you're not familiar with certain things, there's uh, encourage you to go back and look up some other stuff in the future. Yeah, and I so I've read all of that, and then I immediately went into a Krakoa reading order, and I got through like I've read some of the New Mutants um, that Hickman was doing. I really liked the uh, the issues with Sunspot. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read the first arc of Marauders from Gary Duggan. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read the first couple issues of then uh, Hickman's X-Men that follows read a bit of Excalibur. Um, am I missing it? There's a lot of stuff. I, I think those are the ones I've, I've read. Cool. Um, so yeah, I read like, a lot. Yeah. Like, so this is called the Dawn of X. Like the yes. titles that come after um, House of X, Powers of X, uh, Powers of 10, I guess. <laughs> like, um, yeah. And I, dude, I love it. I, I, you know, am I going to be able to catch up in time for Fall of X? No way. Um, because <laughs> like, like just... I've been trying to catch up for Fall of X. I'm like, I've been following this. So like, like, it's a lot. So like, you, like uh, don't rush yourself, man. Like, pace yourself because uh, it might be worth it if you're enjoying it so far. Um, 
love it. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, and I really want to, the only thing is like there's certain characters, like I'm coming into it and I'm like, oh, I can tell you're a character that people like, but I really don't know you. Mm -hmm. um, like the biggest one is magic. Mm -hmm. I've read nothing with magic in it. Mm -hmm. um so like her power set outside of like having a cool sword pretty much unknown to me mm -hmm. um who she is you know don't know anything about that i will say though the other piece of media i've been playing has magic in it which is i've been playing a video game called midnight suns mm -hmm. which is a marvel video game and magic is one of the playable characters in it so that has actually helped me learn about her cool cool like they'll definitely learn about her as you read long like i could give you a few recommendations for older stuff if you're interested um and just so i have that background into her because it seems like a lot of people like her character and it's mm -hmm. like I, I want to i just don't know anything about you like there's like a short i think it's maybe two or three issues of claremont um that give you basically her superhero origin um and it's really dark and twisted and like and then she then they have a whole um mini series i think it's five issues where magic really tells her deeper superhero origin. She's not really a superhero. She's more of like um, a, a witch mutant. Uh, okay. Kind of like Scarlet Witch, but in a different, like instead of chaos magic, it's like uh, blood magic uh, or some kind. I don't know. They I, say blood magic in the video game I'm playing, which I don't know how faithful that is compared to comics, but they do say I mean, blood magic. He is an interesting character. Um, uh, I yeah, she does have a lot of fans. Uh, she's not one of my top ones, but like she's cool. Like I mean, I I like to think of her as like the Sabrina, the teenage witch of the Marvel mutants. Like <laughs> I mean, she even looks exactly like that. So and I love Sabrina, the teenage witch. So like yeah. technically, magic came before her. So you know, oh really? Yeah. Oh well, well, no, Sabrina came first in the comics. Okay, yeah, that's yeah, but, that's what I was but thinking. magic, magic kind of. Like Chris Claremont dug into darker, weirder, uh, pagan stuff, whereas later on, stuff like Buffy and Sabrina kind of like caught up to that. <laughs> got it, got it, got it. Okay, got it, got it, got it. It's, sure, that makes sense. But um, uh, I don't want. Uh, we could talk about X Men all day, but I do want to just like briefly, mm -hmm. briefly. Yeah. Any other things you want to shout out? Because I have a couple things I want to shout out. No, that that has been. Yeah, I mean that X Men stuff. We're talking tens of hours this you know, past two weeks. So. <laughs> right, right, right. And we could do a whole other podcast about that. If we had yeah. time. But um, for now, I just want to shout out. Okay, so first, um, since this is a Secret Invasion podcast, mm -hmm. I want to mention the Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon. Have you ever seen that? Uh no, I haven't. But I'm super familiar with it. As in, like, my brother watched it, and I just didn't. I mean, it's pretty good. Like, uh, season two, they dig into their version of Secret Invasion. Uh, and so... Um, oh, I didn't know that. Like, they have a pretty good take on it, in my opinion. So I just wanted to mention that. Um, okay. I haven't watched it, but um, fans who've seen it probably agree. Um, so I just want to recommend that. Um, and speaking of cartoons, a new Superman cartoon aired recently on hbo max and adult swim uh it's called my adventures with superman have you heard about this have you watched I've, it? I've heard about it i haven't watched it but i saw a post on instagram from jack quaid is he playing superman yeah. in it yeah he's the new superman oh that's cool okay good for him yeah like i uh i watched the first two episodes um i hesitate to give my opinions uh uh i do think that this show will appeal to a lot of uh, new fans. Um, so I don't want to say too much about it yet. <laughs> but Could you tell me, is it, because it's on Adult Swim, so is it like a, a Rick and Morty-esque thing, or is it more no, like it, Young Justice, Justice League? Definitely, it definitely feels like an all-ages show. Like It could be on a Saturday morning lineup, for all I'm concerned. Interesting. Okay. Like, uh, they put it on Adult Swim... But it is kind of like an anime-styled show. Um, I don't know. Like, uh, I think that there's definitely an audience for the show, and people will like it. I hate to say it. I feel like I'm kind of an old head, and I, I just prefer the old animated series. I feel like they did a better... They had a three-part opening that did a lot more than I feel like this show did in the two-part. But I don't want to be too critical. I want to give it a chance. Like, I think people i think it's i think they i think people are working hard on the show and 
it's for a new generation. That's sure, it. sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, I was so unsure of what it was because I just saw where it was coming out, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like if we were, if we're doing like a grown up, you know, like an adult kind of thing, and then I see Jack Quaid, so I instantly think of The Boys, which is very right. much adult. Yeah, I, this, I was just don't get your hopes up for something like adult yet. Like I think it's. Okay. Well, at least that makes more sense because I was just like, why would you use Superman for a more adult thing? That seems like a weird, you know, a weird angle. But yeah, um, okay. tone shifts in, in episode three or somewhere down the line. I feel like it's definitely all ages. Like they okay. even introduced the the Newsboy Legion and they call it the News Kid Legion. Um, huh, are you okay. familiar with those characters? Yeah. 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 I think they're Jack Kirby original characters. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's cute. It's fun. It's not my favorite, but I'm very picky when it comes to Superman. So, <laughs> no, and of course, when you when you're on that side of the comic book aisle, you have some of the best quality animation stuff around mm-hmm, historically, mm-hmm. and it it is very difficult, I think, to come up against that kind of stuff. Yeah, like even the old Fleischer cartoons from the '50s are like worth revisiting if you've never seen them. Um, they're really cool, but um, yeah. Uh, Again, something I can talk about all day that I'm not going to do that right now. Um, but I do want to mention one more thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I caught up on Daredevil, uh, <gasps> the comic okay. over like since we last talked. And uh, all right, how, how caught up are we? All the way. Are you? Are right, so you've read issue thirteen? Yes. Okay. Yes. Same. Uh, what What are you thinking? I mean, it's wild, man. Like it's crazy. Like uh, it's good. I mean, it's interesting. <laughs> I. I have, and I don't know if it's a, if people will agree me, if I'm going to get kicked out of like the, the fan community for thinking this, but I think issue 12, where, uh, I guess spoilers for Daredevil, if you're comfortable with it, but okay. it came out two months ago, um, it's almost a Marvel Unlimited now, so people mm-hmm. should be familiar with it, uh, where Electra killed him. Mm-hmm. I thought that might be the best issue of this whole run. It was good. It was really good. Um, uh, the art was so good. Yeah. Anytime they get uh, Marco Cicchetto to like stay on the title, I'm like, thank you. Because uh, his art's great. Like, I mean, the other artists are great too, but like he is defining this era for me. For sure. I am, I'm totally okay if this makes you or anyone else upset, but he is my favorite artist on Daredevil ever. I mean, I wouldn't get upset, but I mean, I, he is, he does have a lot. Uh, it, and it's really good- like the only thing that's making me like think he does have a lot of quality competition. The only one that really comes close to me is David Mazzucchelli, but. Oh my God. I, David Mazzucchelli, Alex Maleev, um, David Mack, uh, yeah. and, and Frank Miller for, um, you know, John um, yes. Jr. Like I could go on all day. Don't get me started. But <laughs> No, there is, it is an incredibly difficult thing and this might just be recency bias, but what Chichetto has done just down to even the suit designs we've seen. It's yeah. like, oh, I would keep you forever. And I feel so sad because I think the next artist's name is like Adam Kuber. And I, I go into everything like with, you know, positive energy. But I, I'm really scared to go see what art without Chichetto looks like, even though it's not like Zadarsky's consistently had him on the book, you know. But well, I'm just. That's, that's cool. I hadn't heard that. Adam Kuber. Is it Adam or Andy? Uh, I, I I could be I could be wrong here. I have it on my actually have a tab open right now with it, so I could tell you who it is. I mean, because like I I like the Kuberts. They they've been around a long time and they've got a lot of quality work. I mean, sometimes it's a little hit or miss, but um. You know. Oh, okay. No, it's Aaron Kuder. Oh, Aaron Kuder. The next artist. Yes. He has. I know him. You do know him? Okay, I was gonna say I I know he was on like Avengers Forever. Mm-hmm. He did some and Ghost Rider. He's uh, he's did done he do Jason Aaron store? Um, maybe I think he did. I could be I, wrong. Yeah, I, I he's all right. He's not um uh, one of my favorites. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, this has been a pretty must read run of Daredevil for anyone who hasn't read it. Um, I think all of us who have read it are like, yeah, this is great. <laughs> yeah, it's just I am so sad. Like so, August like fourteen for whatever. That's that's it. And like yeah. you know, Zodarski got fifty issues in today's modern sense. That's an achievement. I'm very happy that he was yeah. able to get it. Um, I am sad to see him go. Um, I don't want to say I'm nervous because I feel like Daredevils had so many consistently good runs that you kind of just know it will be quality, but. I am very curious to see how Saladin Ahmed 
approaches this. One thing I have to say, and again, we've already said plenty of spoiler warnings. Like, like mm-hmm. I said, Electric killed Daredevil, which was prophesied, which was necessary. Like, honestly, for most of this run, I've been waiting for Daredevil to die so we can get Electra as Daredevil. <laughs> like, yes. Like that, like, that was some of the most exciting stuff for me. Um, totally. And he's kind of been uh, stealing the spotlight. I mean, I love Matt Murdock, but, uh, mm-hmm. but like, let Electra kind of stand on her own a little bit. Um, but I don't know if they're going to do that because I think I've seen so many other comic books that Daredevil is in, like Matt Murdock. Like he's dead, but he's already coming back probably. Like Ms. Marvel there. It's, it does look like, because I was hoping, before they announced, like I was really hoping, and my League of Comic Book Geeks confirms, like I'm not gaslighting, I did say this like months ago. I was like, my dream follow-up successor would be you have Elektra be the main character and you let Kelly Thompson write it. That would be cool. Like if 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 they could get at least one run of Electra solo as yes. Daredevil, that would be kind of interesting, I think. Um, Did you read her, like, her little thing that happened during Devil's Reign? Like, she had her own little thing for a little bit? Yeah, it was, yeah. It was so short. Yeah, and, it was, like, three issues. And it led and it, and it tied in very heavily to everything that was going on in the main book. Right. Devil. So, like, it was fine. I, I was, just, yeah, I do want more of her. Cool. Yeah. And they have said, so she is going to be in the next run, but it does not look like she will be the main character. Will she even be Daredevil anymore after this? I really I really hope so. I don't know how big the community of Daredevil is compared to like ASM. But now, um, I did notice that she was, I think, in Savage Avengers, which I yes. never read. It's good. It's really good. Yeah, I think her and Magic are... Um, um, not in Propose, so not in the, the last ten issue. In, 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 in Duggan, did you read? In, in Duggan's, I didn't read Duggan's, but yes, I know Magic's in that one. Yeah, like I, I don't know. I've just kind of like noticed it from afar, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's always interesting when another character gets to play, like gets to bear the name of another superhero. It's like it's kind of a tough position to balance because like. Um, you want them to stand on their own, but they also are always going to be in the shadow of someone else. Like you've got Sam Wilson, you've got um, Miles Morales, you've got um, even Captain Marvel to a degree. You know, sure. uh, like uh, so. I don't know. It's it's a it's a thing. It's tough. It's just for me in this in this sense, it does feel like the mantle swap wasn't just like you know a way to sell cool variant covers or whatever. Um, yeah. or a, you know, a first appearance or a key issue. It felt like natural progression for the character and yeah. like finally taking a character that just honestly was just, you know, not to go after Frank Miller, but kind of always felt like a, a sex figure mm-hmm. and make her like a strong, compelling character with like a more moral quandaries and all of that. It's, I think Chip Zdarsky has made Electra. She's reached a pinnacle for me as a character. Yeah, it was definitely an interesting narrative turn for her and like Although I will say one thing that uh, we've seen played to death is anytime there's a sigh around, Electra is going to get stabbed in the stomach. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> like her stomach is like the target for sighs, her own sigh most of the time. It's kind of like, stop carrying sighs. <laughs> Dude, it's like Kenny and South Park. Like at this point, you can't stop it. You just got to let it happen. But like you said, uh, in, in, in issue 12, it, she. It, it, and she ends up using the eye, so yeah. And I, I mean, I always thought hers were blunted, so when that happened, I was like, Oh my god, is she full on? <laughs> you know, that was a <laughs> lot of force on that. I mean, if you're if you're listening to this and you haven't watched it or you haven't seen it, read this, she didn't murder like it was an accident. Well, actually, Matt wanted her to do it, like, correct, kind of- correct. So, I mean, it's a thing. Like, it's read it. I hope we haven't spoiled it for anybody. <laughs> we warned you. <laughs> if you know everything that happened in this, it is worth it for the art. It, yeah, it's it worth it for, you know, um, the issues where, like, the war in Hell's Kitchen and, like, the, the late teens, early 20s are incredible. Um, it's good. It, it, I, I think it's not that I'm an incredibly well-versed reader, but I think it's the top-shelf Marvel book for the past several years. Like, this is definitely another thing we could podcast more on. Absolutely. But unfortunately, we're out of time today. So real quick, I just want to say thanks, David, for joining me on this podcast. And thank you for having. Of course. And thanks to everyone listening. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to hear more, please like, subscribe, rate, and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Also, you can follow or message us on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and League of Comic Book Geeks. Just search for DMV Comic Book Nerds or DMV CBN and you should be able to find us. 
You can also find David at Della Rosa on League of Comic Geeks. All right. Your feedback and engagement means so much to us. We hope to catch you next time. Excelsior! Goodbye.